Welcome to the Game Changing Health Podcast. I am your host, Gianna Beasley. I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And I am so excited to have you here because we are going to talk all about how to change the game of your health in ways that are realistic and sustainable. We're going to talk about hot topics. We're going to talk about how to get to the root cause of your health issue and talk about how through nutrition and movement, we can create a life that you love and can live fully. Thanks for joining and let's dive in. When I first start working with new clients or when I'm connecting with people on Instagram, which is where you can find me hanging out most of the time, a big question that everybody has when they're trying to figure out what is going on with their health and with their bodies is where to start. And typically the first place for a lot of people is going to be with labs, but there's a lot of labs out there to request. So how do you know what to do? Well, the good news is I got you. I made a freebie for y'all. It's called Labs to Request Annually that breaks down common labs to request every single year preventatively, and then also some additional categories on additional lab markers that you can request if something doesn't feel quite right with your body, and also what to do if you're not having luck getting those labs done in traditional channels. So be sure to grab that freebie by joining my email list below. The information is below in the show notes, so don't miss out and go grab that. If you have questions on it, slide into my DMs on Instagram. Welcome back to the Game Changing Health Podcast. I am Gianna, your host, and today we're going to be talking about something that hits very close to home, my own personal journey, taking Manjaro. Ooh. <laughs> This episode makes me honestly quite nervous to record. There is a lot of stigma around medication and taking medication to help with your health. And I have kept this largely, like I haven't shared it at all on social media. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to share a lot of it on social media. Some of my clients know we've had honest conversations about it because they've been considering taking some sort of medication to help manage their symptoms. And honestly, I was sitting here this week actually planning to record a completely different podcast episode, but I ended up pivoting to record this one this week specifically because I've been seeing a lot of other healthcare providers and even just other humans that aren't healthcare providers really bashing not only the medication itself or going the medication route, but bashing people who choose to take this medication. So I acknowledge that by opening up and sharing about this, that could subject me to some of that. Good news is I cry all the time anyway, so it'll be fine. But all jokes aside, realistically, me not saying something about this could end up basically in my brain, like leaving other people feeling bad about their choices to do something that may be best for them and their health. And so if this episode can even help one person feel less alone in their choice to go down a route for medication then it was worth it. And I'm basically going to walk you guys through just like very quickly what Manjaro is and kind of like just a general breakdown of it. There is a lot on TikTok about this topic, Um, even Instagram, but I'll be honest, I see it way more or get asked about it more from TikTok. So I'm going to give like a quick breakdown of what it is, but then I'm going to tell you my honest experience with it, taking it myself, the timeline leading up to it, how long I've been on it, the side effects, you know, kind of what made me choose this route so that if you're listening to this and you're considering taking one of these medications, 
you can hear from someone else that is a healthcare provider that is taking one of these medications. And, you know, I would ask that you listen to this episode with an open mind, um, even if you're not considering taking one of these medications, because chances are someone you love may benefit from these medications or is already taking one, but is feeling shamed by people around them for doing that, and they're not being honest about it. And honestly, what good are we to our friends and family if they can't open up to us because they're worried that we're going to shame them, right? My clients all know there is absolutely never any judgment or shame in our working relationship together. We work together to figure out what's best for them. And eventually my doctor and I decided that this was the best route for me. It was not a light decision. It was not something that I took lightly. And honestly, sneak peek in what I'm going to tell you, I've considered coming off of it almost every single month that I've taken it, if I'm being honest. So we're going to dive into that. But before I dive any further, I do want to cover like just like a brief overview of Manjaro. So you maybe have heard of some of these. um, It's been coined all over social media, weight loss injections or weight loss shots, weight loss medications, right? There's a lot of stigma that comes with those. However, the three very popular ones Um, technically there's like a fourth, I kind of consider it a stepchild if I'm being honest. It's still really valid. It's a good option. Um, but I don't see it used. Like I don't see physicians prescribing it as much as I see these others. So the three most common like weight loss injections that people are seeing these days are Ozempic, Wegovi, and Manjaro. Ozempic and Wegovi are semaglutide injections. Manjaro is a terzepatide injection, not a semaglutide injection. So they do differ a little bit. So when we're looking at Ozempic, Ozempic is semaglutide. It's part of a class of drugs called glucon-like peptide 1 analogs. So GLP-1s is what we're going to call it. Glucon-like peptide 1, GLP-1 analogs. So that is what Ozempic would be or Wegovi. Now, Manjaro, like I said, it's it's a little bit different. So it's a terzepatide injection. So it works a little bit differently because it not only goes after that GLP-1 that Ozempic goes after, for example, but it also goes after a glucose-dependent insulin insulinotropic polypeptide. (laughs) That's a lot. It's a mouthful. Um, So glucose-dependent insulinotropic polypeptide. And then, so that's the first thing it it activates. And then it also um, does the GLP-1, so the glucon-like peptide 1 as well. So it does both of those where semaglutide on the flip side is just that GLP-1. So it is, Manjaro is different than other medications that have been approved to treat type 2 diabetes in that aspect that it goes after both of those things. Now, something that I do want to put a disclaimer on right now, I should have done it before. I always forget to do this at the beginning, but this is not medical advice. You need to work with your own healthcare provider, your own healthcare team. You need to look at all of this. Taking medications like this is very serious. And for most people, it is a lifelong thing that they will need to take. And I think where a lot of stigma comes from around this is people look at it as a quick fix. And now let me be super freaking clear on one thing. There are absolutely people out there abusing these medications for quick weight loss, for an easy way out. However, the majority of people who actually need, yes, need these medications 
are using them as a last resort because they've tried other things before. And in the world of social media, I think things get very like, oh, you're just doing this as a quick fix to lose weight. Oh, you just want to lose weight. So like you're doing this. You see it. I mean, you see the headlines of people in Hollywood, like stars taking semaglutide. So Ozempic, right? And it makes for really catchy headlines. And the reality is, do people in Hollywood that are taking those from med spas need it? No, probably not. Do people getting this from a doctor that's overseen their care for a really long time and seen them struggle with different, you know, maybe endocrine issues or things like that who actually need it find this as a quick fix? No. Really common groups of people that could benefit from these meds are type 2 diabetics because it has, you know, these medications, whether it be Manjaro or Ozempic. I'm kind of just going to talk about Manjaro moving forward um, when I'm like referencing things, but. Manjaro specifically has a significant impact in decreasing A1C, improving glucose control, and some people do lose weight when they go on it. Um, Other people that can really benefit actually from this, and this is actually why I ended up taking Manjaro or starting it, is people like me who have insulin-resistant PCOS, who have tried all the things in the book to try to get things under control, and they they just can't. Um, and I'm going to kind of talk about what specifically like my journey looked like with that, but these medications can be really helpful for a lot of people. So there's just so many extremes on social media. So I want to like, just really encourage you anytime you see something about any of these medications or someone taking them really take a step back and realize that if you aren't one of these people taking them because you need this medication to help improve your health, probably maybe a good idea to not comment on it to them. Keep your thoughts to yourself. Remember our moms taught us if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Love you, mom. (laughs) But realistically, on social media, we see like so many different extremes of the spectrum. There are people that say anybody that takes these medications are using it as an easy way out or they're copping out or whatever the case is. And honestly, some people are. Some people aren't making lifestyle changes. Some people are literally just banking on these meds to change their life. They're going to be on them forever. And hopefully that just like does the trick. Then there's the flip side of that of people aren't going to take this medication because they feel so shamed or there's so much stigma around it from social media or loved ones or medical providers that they won't take it and they really could benefit from it. And just like any other medication, it comes with side effects. It comes with potential complications. It comes with challenges, right? All of these like injections come with challenges. Um, So realistically, this is not for people that genuinely need this medication, right? For people who genuinely need to take Manjaro to help with their insulin levels, to help with their A1C, to help with, you know, a plethora of things, it's likely not the easy way out for them. There are absolutely going to be people that abuse it, but there are people that abuse any medication that you can take. Take ADHD meds, for example. There are plenty of people that are getting AD meds that are used for ADHD, like Adderall, Vyvanse. People are buying these things through not legal channels that don't actually need them. They just want the benefit of the medication of focus, right? Or stamina or whatever the case is. So no matter what the medication is, there's always going to be some people that figure out a way to abuse it, right? Or to try to cheat the system and not put the work in. But just because people do that, why do we then punish or shame people that actually need the medication? 
Why do we automatically assume as humans, and this is my like question to everybody, why do we automatically assume as humans that if someone's taking this medication, they're just copping out? Why not instead we assume this person probably needs this med, so it's great that they can get it? Just, 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 you know, just something to think about, food for thought, right? But anyway, now we know what the medication is. Manjaro is technically currently um, approved by the FDA to treat type 2 diabetes. It, sh- it's, it should be. It's expected to be approved for weight loss purposes um, this year. Some insurances actually will already approve it for different things like obesity or like diagnosed insulin resistance with PCOS, things like that. And so if insurance doesn't cover it, these medications are really expensive. Um, And there are some amazing doctors out there, some amazing programs out there that are specializing in this to try to get people the help that they need, pairing with lifestyle and medication changes. Um, If you're someone listening to this and you want to work with someone in that setting, send me a message on Instagram or send me an email, info at giannabeasley.com, um, and I can give you their direct referrals so that you can go work with them and get the help that you need with no stigma or shame. This is not sponsored. These are just people that I know and trust that I know um, really want the best for everybody. So keeping that in mind, let's talk about my personal experience with it, what got me here, and where we're at currently. Oh boy. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. We got nothing to lose anyway, so let's roll. So I, as people know, if they've listened before or if you follow me on Instagram or if it's your first time here, welcome. I'm about to give you the rundown. I personally have been diagnosed with PCOS for 11 years, almost 12 years, like well over a decade at this point. Um, I was diagnosed at the beginning of high school and have pretty much struggled with my weight my entire life, even when I was a year-round athlete. And I was eating beautifully all the time because my mom always kept the kitchen stocked with fruits and veggies and proteins. And we ate super, super healthy growing up. I stayed active continuously. I was really on top of things. And then as I got into my early 20s, um, unfortunately, some additional autoimmune issues popped up and things like that that have made it really hard for me to manage my PCOS and the symptoms that come with it, despite my best efforts and intentions. And remember, y'all, both my undergrad and graduate research and presentations and my capstone and everything have been focused around PCOS, managing symptoms, interventions. It's a lot of what I do with work. Like I live in a body with PCOS and I know how frustrating that can be. And so... I know everything that I should be doing and I I was doing it. And I know that I had a dieting history where I was really low cal because that's what I was advised to do towards the end of high school and that let me lose some weight. And then all that weight came back plus more. I've talked in previous episodes kind of more about my story and about how I did gain a significant amount of weight. Um, But then actually after that initial significant amount of weight gain, I sat at maintenance, did not gain any more weight, was actually doing pretty good, got very comfortable with my body image and myself, and honestly was rocking it. And I hadn't honestly really tried to lose any weight because I was just chilling at maintenance. And I was like, you know what? Living my best life. All my labs had been looking good and it was fantastic. Then without any rhyme or reason, nothing really changed for me except for finding out that I had some additional autoimmune stuff going on. I 
um, had found out, or I just had been feeling off, right? Like I was not feeling super well. I was more fatigued than normal. My joint pain was like off the charts. My hands were swelling. My feet were swelling. Like things just weren't right. (laughs) So that's when I found out I had some additional autoimmune issues going on. Um, And this was at the beginning of 2022. And pretty quickly, like between like October of 2021 to like February of 2022, my weight went up about 20 pounds, but nothing had really changed. My like movement routine was the same. I was eating the same because I do have so many like genuine true food allergies, um, not food sensitivities or anything like that. You know, because of my different allergies and stuff, I eat pretty much the same thing all the time. One, because it's cheaper, (laughs) it's easier to plan for, and I'm more consistent that way because I just know what I'm going to do. I have it on hand. I can do it pretty quickly and that helps my ADHD and keep me keeps me fed, right? So I had gained about 20 pounds. I was more fatigued. You know, my joints were hurting more, which led me going to the doctor. And we basically saw that my insulin was really high. Ideally, a fasting insulin, I would like to see it when I'm like reviewing clients' blood work or my own blood work. I want to see my fasting insulin below like four. I was coming in at like 30 for my fasting insulin. And what was really interesting is my glucose and my A1C. So we have um, like three markers that we look at for me specifically and my insulin resistant PCOS. I've always been insulin resistant with my PCOS. Um, Type 2 diabetes does also run in my family. So it's always been something that I've always been very cognizant of and cautious of. But we look at three things, your hemoglobin A1C. So that's the average of your glucose levels over the last three months, your um, fasting glucose, which is just like what your blood sugar was when they did your blood draw. And then your fasting insulin. So what your insulin levels were at the time of that blood draw. So what's interesting is my um, hemoglobin A1C, so that 90 day average and my fasting glucose came back normal, completely fine. My insulin was 30. That is so high. It's no wonder I wasn't feeling good. So we we were like, okay, let's kind of review. Couldn't really pinpoint anything that had changed because I had been pretty consistent. My stress levels were a little bit higher, but nothing compared to where they were previously. And I, I've not had you know this extreme of an issue with insulin in a long time. Metformin and I, metformin is a common drug used with any kind of insulin resistance or in type 2 diabetics as well. So again, just to be clear, I'm not a type 2 diabetic. I'm not pre-diabetic. All of those other ranges are completely fine. My issue stems from my body not doing well um, because of the insulin resistance that drives from my PCOS, my polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, which is very common. I think the most recent statistic I saw said about 70% of people with PCOS end up with insulin resistance. And so I'm not a type 2 diabetic. However, I have used metformin in the past tried metformin again. Metformin and I just do not agree. The GI side effects from metformin make life so unbearable for me. I can barely function on a day-to-day basis. And the real kicker is while I'm miserable being sick all day because of metformin, it didn't do anything. It did not improve my glucose levels, my A1C levels, or my insulin levels. So that was out the door. So we did lab work, actually. Um, I had three lab draws last year with my doctor, and we saw my insulin stay between 28 and 30 the entire year last year. And so my doctor's theory is that underlying like um, autoimmune issues were driving this response, and all of my lifestyle interventions were not helping. All of my supplement interventions weren't helping. Like nothing we were doing was helping. And the medication that we had tried already was also not helping. And I have 
an amazing RD friend and colleague in the field who had recently tried Manjaro herself, who um, was sharing about her experience with it because she also has insulin-resistant PCOS and had a very similar story to me. And this is pretty common. And if you have PCOS and you're listening to this, you can probably relate to this. You're doing everything the same. And then all of a sudden the scale goes up five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds over a matter of weeks or a couple months. And you didn't change anything. And then it's like literally like ripping hairs off of like a porcupine or something. I don't know. That's not a very good analogy, but I mean, you're going to rip your own hair out. You're so frustrated that you can't get that weight to come off. And that's super characteristic and super normal with PCOS, um, especially insulin insulin resistant PCOS. So I knew metabolically my body was in a good spot. I knew metabolically, you know, I should be able to lose weight. I'd put myself in a calorie deficit to try to see if anything would move in that direction. Cause I was like, okay, you know, this weight came on and this weight maybe is why my insulin levels are staying up. But I, in a calorie deficit where I should have been losing weight, could not see the scale budge. Even when I dropped it a little bit further, no movement whatsoever. And so I knew that I had done everything lifestyle-wise, supplement-wise. I'm a big sleeper, y'all. So I'm sleeping. Like I can't, I also just like can't quit my job and never work, (laughs) never work again. So that's not really an option, but managing work stress, right? Staying hydrated, sleeping, recovering. Like I was trying it all and I just was not having any luck. So my doctor and I basically talked and decided that a next step for me, something that she had seen a lot of good success with. um, And I actually approached her about it because I also hear from a lot of people like doctors are just pushing this now. They don't care. Well, I'm going to be honest. My doctor's freaking fantastic. She didn't push this. I asked about it because I am a healthcare provider and I'm informed myself and I believe in making informed healthcare decisions. Like I would encourage any of you all to make sure that you do your own research and advocate for yourself. But I approached her with it and I just said, hey, what do you think about this? I've been reading more about it for insulin resistant PCOS. I know some um, some like colleagues that are also dietitians that have been taking this for their insulin resistant PCOS. I just like truly, I, I didn't actually mind like the shape of my body or the actual number on the scale. None of that actually phased me. What was my biggest thing is I knew the insulin levels being high repeatedly fasting were causing me the joint pain that I was experiencing and then the inflammation in my hands and the swelling and just like that general sense of like pain throughout my entire body. The best way that I can describe this, um, when I was on a flight to London last year, this is actually like right after one of my blood draws where I saw how high my insulin was. I, it felt like, okay, I obviously know like nobody's ever done this to me before, but this is what I imagined it would feel like. It felt like while I was on my flight to London, it felt like someone had like cut open my hips and was taking like a hot, like blade just scraping against my bones. It is a pain that I genuinely can't describe. And if you struggle with autoimmune issues or joint pain or bone pain or anything like that, you probably are imagining the pain that I'm feeling because I'm assuming we all probably feel it pretty similarly, but it was an excruciating pain where I remember sending a text to my husband saying like, I think this is the most pain I've been in in my entire life. Joke's on me because I would go, (laughs) go on to later snap my ankle like nine months later. And that was definitely the worst pain of my life. But at the time, like that bone pain is in like, un, I can't even describe it. It was so excruciating. And that was not the only time I had felt it. I'd been feeling it the last couple months. I, I continued feeling that. So I flew to London in uh, March of 2022. And probably at least like two or three times a month from then until I started Manjaro, I started feeling that. Um, I even was talking to some of my colleagues and friends and just like showed them like photos of my hands and how swollen they were and how they hurt. Um, 
And, you know, it was just not a quality of life for me. So I want to be really clear. I wasn't searching out weight loss. I was not searching out a quick fix for anything. I was searching for a solution to the pain that I was feeling. And some of it probably was because of the extra weight on my body. However, when your insulin levels were as high as mine were and continuing to go unchecked, that causes, I mean, systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. And eventually with it going unchecked, it will start to cause like problems throughout your body, all of your different body systems. It had already impacted like my overall like mobility and inflammation and like joints and hands and things like that. And so there were literally times where my like toes would swell so bad and be in so much pain that I couldn't bend my toes. And it's so fascinating because I had a theory about it, but now that things are better controlled, I don't have that issue anymore. And so it was not a decision that I took lightly. Honestly, even as a healthcare provider who over and over again encourages my clients like, hey, if we've exhausted all our options, lifestyle options, supplement options, we've made all the changes we can, we're doing everything, you know, quote unquote, right. I would always encourage my clients to do what's best for them. Give it a try. See if it helps. If it doesn't, you don't have to keep taking it. But I honestly was afraid for myself with the stigma that came around it. Because again, some some other RDs in the field, some doctors in the field, some PAs, NPs, like other medical professionals that I know that I respect so highly speak out so negatively and so strongly against these things that I think part of me was afraid to talk about it publicly because I don't want to like lose respect from them. But at the end of the day of me taking a medication that helps me and my health, after I know I was doing everything that I could to not take it, but ended up needing it, if they decide to not respect me or want to work with me as colleagues anymore, then that's just not someone I want to work with. And realistically, I just never want any of my clients to feel like they wouldn't be able to tell me. And thankfully they don't, they do tell me. Um, we talk about it together. We talk about, okay, we really have tried everything. Let's give this a shot. Sometimes I recommend it to them because I'm like, hey, we have tried everything. And as long as everything you're telling me has been accurate, we have tried it all. We're not seeing the results we want to see. So we should consider trying this instead. Or let's let's pair with an NP, a PA, a doc. Let's pair with someone that can prescribe this. I'll oversee it um, you know, on my side of things as a dietitian and we'll work together for this. And so I decided, you know, with my doctor that this is what we were going to try. So I started at the beginning of October. I literally have like a big (laughs) video on my phone of me talking, being like, I don't know if I'm ever going to share this. And I still don't know if I'm ever going to share that. Um, But I started with like the starting dose of 2.5 milligrams of Manjaro. It's a one time a week injection. I started with that at the beginning of October. Um, Or I think it was, sorry, mid-October, right after I got back from my trip to Europe. And fun fact the scale didn't go up at all when I was in Europe. So that's positive. (laughs) It was probably all the extra movement, but I snapped my ankle pretty soon after that, which also may have contributed. But realistically, I started mid-October. So I had gotten all four doses in of 2.5 and chatted with my doctor. So everybody's supposed to start on like 2.5. It's like starting dose. And then after one month on that, you bump up to five milligrams. Mandrao technically goes up to 15 milligrams. So it's 2.5, 5, 7.5, 10, 12.5, and 15 milligrams. Now, most people do get up to like that 
10 to 12.5 to 15 milligram range. Now, a lot of people do report more side effects um, for any of these medications as you do increase in the dosage. So I personally got to five milligrams after my first month. I didn't experience any side effects or any, like the scale did not turn down at all. Um, I didn't really see a huge difference in like my hands or anything, my swelling, my pain. I didn't notice a huge difference in that. I took my first... (laughs) This was just so ironic. I took my first dose of the five milligrams and literally like 48 hours later had a freak accident where I ended up tearing all the ligaments in my ankle except for like two of them in half. So not knowing if I would need surgery or not, well, at at that time I didn't know. Eventually when I found out I actually did tear all of them in half, um, I knew I was going to have to have surgery, but I ended up taking my Manjaro up to my surgery date. So I did about four, I did four weeks on 2.5 and four weeks on five milligrams, um, and I lost about three pounds in that time. However, something that we have to take into account when I'm giving you these numbers is when I snapped all the ligaments in my ankle, um, when I went to that five milligrams, I was starting to lose muscle, right? Because pretty much after three weeks of inactivity or non-weight bearing on a limb, you start to lose muscle mass there. It was actually very frightening when I actually got my cast off after surgery where it had been about five weeks since the initial injury was when I got my cast off because I had surgery about three weeks later, then I was in a cast for just over two weeks. Um, so five, six weeks after I got hurt, um, I had lost about three pounds of muscle in my right leg. It was honestly frightening. Um, so I didn't really take any of the scale data to heart back in those first few months because I didn't see any movement really. I saw some movement, but I knew some of it was muscle. And then I actually didn't take any of my injections for, um, I couldn't take it the week before surgery. And then, um, I didn't take it for the three weeks after because one of the side effects of Manjaro is nausea, especially right after your injection or as you're adjusting to being on a higher dose. And I (laughs) was really nauseous already from surgery. And one of my least favorite things in the world is being nauseous. I literally have prescription Zofran on hand because I get very motion sick and don't do well with it. So that being said, I actually didn't really start, like I kind of look at like my true start with things. I started back with the five milligrams right around New Year's of 2023. And I'm recording this episode at the end of July of this year. So January, February, March, April, May, June, July, seven months basically on Manjaro. So my starting weight, am I going to put this out there? Yeah. Why not? Let's be honest. Again, I didn't really care what the number on the scale said. I actually was pretty freaking confident in the body that I was rocking. I looked cute. My clothes were great. Like I just loved it. I was actually sad when the scale went down, if I'm being honest, because I didn't have cute clothes anymore. It was a bit of a bummer, if I'm being honest. Because again, I wasn't going into this for weight loss. I was going into this to lower my insulin levels and relieve pain where everything else was failing me. And so um, basically from when I started on that first dose of 2.5, again, accounting for some muscle loss and then actually then going through physical therapy in my recovery from surgery, um, I did put that muscle back on. It's not all there yet. It's definitely still my quads a lot smaller still and my calves a lot smaller still. But um, between then and now, I was at 243 pounds at my highest that I know of because TBH, I didn't have a scale until I decided to start taking Manjaro because I wanted to be able to monitor that I wasn't losing too much muscle or anything like that. 
because that is a very real side effect and possibility if you do not use these medications correctly with lifestyle and exercise, which we're going to talk about later. And actually, I'm hoping to have a guest on the show soon that is actually an expert in like weight management and these medications and they prescribe them. Um, so I'm hoping that I will have them on the show soon to actually like more talk about the nitty gritty and like what you need to know about these. But this, I just wanted to share my experience so that anybody else considering this knows that they're not alone. But between then, 243, I I think that's my highest. I might might have been a little higher at one point, but what I know was my highest was 243 pounds. As of this week, end of July, I'm sitting at 215. So about 28 pounds difference between October of 2022 and July of 2023. So realistically, that's actually a pretty sustainable amount of weight loss over that long span of time. And being very honest, because I got hurt, I actually was making sure I continued eating at my maintenance calories um, up until about March of this year when I was like really free and clear from a lot of like the recovery and like all my wounds were healed and things like that. Because the time to be in a calorie deficit is not when you're healing from a major surgery, like having your ankle reconstructed. So I was still eating 2,500 to 2,600 calories a day while taking Manjaro injections once a week. And so the weight loss that I saw initially was actually from the fact that my insulin level started to go down. So a lot of that 20 pounds that I had gained from October of 2021 to like February of 2022 was inflammation-based and inflammation-driven because of my high insulin levels. So as my insulin levels started to come down, that weight started to come off, even though I was still eating at my maintenance calories. And actually, I was more sedentary than normal because I was recovering from ankle surgery. And so just the fact that we were able to start lowering my insulin levels, um, maybe I'll be able to like pop up a picture somehow when I'm on social media or something, if you're curious to look or just like send me a message, I can show you. I was actually texting photos of my hands to my friends being like, look at this difference of like photos of my hands because I get my nails done. So I take pictures of my nails. Um, I put them side by side and there was like a clear difference in just my hands, like my fingers, my joint pains had started subsiding. Like it was night and day, like relief for me, my rings started fitting, like, like they were too big. Like I have some permanent jewelry actually. And I had to stop wearing my permanent ring for a while until I could get it made smaller because it was too big. I got it when, you know, when I was really inflamed and I actually had only lost about five pounds by the time I had to get my ring adjusted because, and I'm pretty sure most of that was my leg anyway, but can't prove it. So either way, just my hypothesis. But anyway, point being for me, it was game changing for my insulin levels and for my pain and for my inflammation and for my overall quality of life. The scale went down and I got to be honest, I'm going to record a different episode about this eventually, but like the body dysmorphia that kicked up with this weight loss has been quite honestly hard to deal with. I've been honest before about struggling with body image, but it definitely got worse. And I don't think a lot of people talk enough about the body image issues that can come with losing weight. So it's going to be a separate episode. Don't you worry. But realistically, I've only hit five milligrams and I am not willing to go higher because I want to talk to you about the not sexy or fun side of taking these medications. Because while it is fantastic that my insulin levels have improved and my inflammation is down and my bones don't feel like they're on fire a lot. It has been very hard to take these medications. I threw up every single week of February this year. And it's 100% from taking these medications because my body was just so unhappy. Um, I developed some 
um, dysbiosis and an H. pylori infection. And I was a little worried about that, especially with my surgery, just because I am celiac and I do have some permanent intestine damage and stuff like that from that. Um, so I am more predisposed to struggling with gut infections and then paired with surgery, anesthesia, pain meds, lower motility. So again, regular bowel movements are important y'all because when your motility is slower, you're more likely to develop issues. And one of the primary like ways that these medication work is by slowing down how fast food goes from your stomach to your intestines, through your intestines to your colon and out of you, right? And so if it slows down too much, a very common side effect of these medications, if you're not taking care of yourself, is constipation. And I was doing like, I thought everything that I could with these meds, like everything that I knew I was doing my best. But like I said, my body was just a little bit wonky, I think from the anesthesia and the surgery and all the pain meds I was on. Like realistically, I was in so much pain after surgery. I took Oxy for like three weeks, obviously under the care of my doctor, but like hard pain meds, prolonged periods of times, then was on tramadol for several weeks after that. Then like was regularly still having to take Zofran, which fun fact, Zofran not only dehydrates you, it also constipates you. So really a lot of these prescription meds are a really big deal, right? But I think all of that working against me was not great. So I threw up pretty much all of February, at least once a week. Like it was terrible. Um, like any, like it happened anywhere from like four to six days after the injection, I would be up sick all night, all freaking night. And I knew it wasn't something that I ate. Cause like I said, I eat the same thing. So I definitely had a very hard time at the beginning of taking these meds. I would say like, right. Consistently started taking five milligrams at the beginning of January. I was like, okay. In January, February, I was very sick. March, it was a little better. April, I traveled for the first time um, since surgery and also since starting Manjaro. And so I did not, I will own it. I did not prepare myself well enough to travel because most people's bowel movements get thrown off while we travel. Um, But then the constipation that follows, if you can't resolve that and you're on a medication that can already lead to constipation, that leads to not super great um, side effects. And then you usually throw up. So these medications are not for the faint of heart. Um, And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I have thought pretty much every single month that I've been on these meds that I want to come off them. It wasn't until probably being honest, like May, that I was like, okay, I have a handle on this, but I want to be super, super freaking clear about something. I have to intentionally every single day proactively work to make sure I'm not getting sick or experiencing side effects on these meds. And this is likely a medication that I will need to take long-term because I've struggled with insulin resistance my entire life. So I proactively every single day have to make sure I'm getting the world of water in me. So usually like 100 100 to 120 ounces of water in me every single day. Usually some sort of mineral mocktail every single day, an element packet every day, or some sort of additional electrolytes, like two electrolyte beverages per day. I have to actively make sure that I am eating within an hour of waking up and every three to four hours after that, because you just can't physically eat the volume that you used to before taking these medications because the food does not move through you like it used to before. That's one of how, but that, that's one part of how this medication works. Something that I'm so tired of hearing though from people, especially people that are taking this med, maybe not for the right reasons or for people who are just looking for a cop out because they want extreme weight loss with these meds, which again is not healthy, nor should you do that because not only are you going to tank your adrenals and your sex hormones and your thyroid in the process, you're going to end up absolutely screwed later and you're going to lose a shit ton of muscle off your body. I curse on my podcast. Do I have to mark it as explicit? I don't know, but I guess we'll find out later. But either way, two big risks that I 
always like to point out to my clients before they decide to take a med and something that I had to make sure I was really proactive about myself the entire time I've been taking this is under eating is almost guaranteed if you are not paying attention, tracking your food intake and being really proactive about eating. Because most people, when they start taking these meds can literally go all day without eating. And that is so unhealthy. And that is not what these medications are meant to do. You can still eat an appropriate amount of food and experience a great amount of weight loss if that's you know why you're taking it or also see all these blood marker improvements that we see with these medications um, while eating enough. Whether that be maintenance, because again, I sat at maintenance for several months taking these meds and I still saw an improvement because my insulin was coming down. Then I did decide to put myself in a slight calorie deficit um, just to kind of see because I've always struggled with weight loss with PCOS. And so I'm still sitting at about 2,200 calories per day. Only like a 20% calorie deficit from my maintenance calories, roughly. Um, And I'm still seeing success, right? And there are some weeks where I don't see any change in the scale. Then there are some weeks where I do. And honestly, I don't even look at it that often anymore because I'm on a pretty low dose. I'm probably going to drop back down myself to 2.5 because that's more of like a maintenance dose um, in the coming months here. But again, number one thing that I see people do if they're not proactive, is under eat while taking these medications. The second thing, second big thing that I see people do while taking these medications that ends up being a mistake is prioritizing the wrong kind of food intake. Um, and so while on these meds, you really cannot eat super high fat foods or fried foods. It is just, that is not going to sit in your stomach well. You really got to cut back on alcohol consumption. Um, you really got to focus on the nutrient density and quality because you genuinely, like I said, you can't eat the same amount in a sitting anymore. So you need to make sure you're proactively eating enough, you're eating frequently enough throughout the day, um, and you're staying hydrated and electrolytes. Those are all really big pieces that can help manage the symptoms that come with this, especially the bowel movement piece, because if you're chronically constipated, nothing else is going to go in your direction. So anyway, those are just my two things. So just genuinely, something that I always run through with my clients before they decide if they want to try these medications or not, something that I had to make sure of for myself is I had to decide that I was okay every single day, like indefinitely basically, being so intentional and proactive about taking my food intake very seriously and my micronutrient intake seriously that I had to be okay with putting that mental effort in. And I decided that I was and I decided that's how I'm going to try it. But you... I see so much significant muscle loss, not fat loss, right? So people end up um, people end up basically having lost weight. However, they've lost muscle, not fat. So they end up not actually looking anything like they want to look in their head because in, their, in people's heads, toned isn't actually a thing, by the way, but and that's what everybody says. Everybody's like, I want to be more toned. That's by having more muscle. So if you are not eating enough protein while you're taking this medication, that's the thing. Enough calories, enough protein, and then eating regularly throughout the day and staying hydrated. Those are my three biggest things, okay? But if you're not eating enough protein and getting enough food in you, you will absolutely lose muscle mass quicker than you can even blink while taking these medications. Um, I mean, that's kind of a blanket thing for like most times when you're calorie restricting. But anyway, specific to this conversation, those are three really big things. And I'm not going to lie. I have to, like, I still struggle with it regularly and I'm a dietitian. I know what to do, but it is really hard because sometimes I don't want to eat at all, but I know if I don't, I'm going to feel sick later. And I know that I'm going to lose muscle and I can't afford to lose any more muscle. So realistically, 
these medications are only actually going to work successfully long-term for people that take it seriously, that are willing to proactively put in the effort. I do not recommend taking these medications if you are not working with a registered dietitian while you're doing it. Ask your doctor for a referral, work with someone that you find in private practice, but realistically, work with an RD, work with a personal trainer or a combo like me, I'm both, um, but work with someone who supports you in your choices but then also understands the importance of hitting these things. Do not be someone who takes these medications and uses it as a cop-out to starve yourself and undereat. You can absolutely get enough food in you on these medications, but it does require effort and planning and time and consistency. So anyway, if you made it this far, thank you. But at the end of the day, this was one of the best things that I could do for myself. There are absolutely side effects. I've struggled with a ton of them. I've decided that if I'm really proactive and on top of everything, I don't really deal with them. And that to me is worth it to control my insulin. And I hope that one day we live in a world where as healthcare providers, we aren't tearing down other healthcare providers for those choices. And we're letting our clients, or if you're listening to this and you're thinking about this, I hope you work with people that lift you up for the choices that you make or walk through the rationale behind them, the education behind them, and let you make informed decisions. And you know what? You might be working with someone that's like, hey, I, this is just not something that I believe in or I practice in, and that's okay. Then you guys can part ways and you can go work with someone that can help you with that, that does believe in that. Because there are a lot of really amazing qualified RDs, NPs, PAs, doctors who are specialists in weight management in these medications. And, you know, just want to let you know, if you want one of these medications or you need them to help control something like your insulin-resistant PCOS or any other issues that you're having that's causing your insulin resistance, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Definitely get your ducks in a row. Definitely make sure you have everything ready because these medications are no joke. But if you need them and they'll help you, don't let anybody shame you or make you feel bad for taking them. So... I'd say my experience overall has been about 50-50. 50% of the time, it's great. And 50% of the time, I've been sick so far. And hopefully, it will continue to be less sick and more great. I will keep you guys posted on my journey. If you want to talk about this privately, about if it's the right fit for you, feel free to slide into my messages or send me an email. Um, I'm happy to chat about them. But at the end of the day... I'd say my experience is definitely a mixed bag. I don't regret it though because it has helped me and my PCOS and my insulin resistance and I'm going to keep taking it and we'll see where it goes. But that's my experience with it. I'm excited to bring an expert on these medications to you guys soon in the near future. So stay tuned for that. And until the next episode, hope you stay happy and healthy and thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for listening. I cannot tell y'all how much I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for being here and tuning in to the podcast. If you have a second, you can scroll and leave a rating and review for the podcast. It helps me help more people like you. And I would really, really appreciate it. If you have any questions on this episode or any other episode you've listened to, just as a reminder, come find me on Instagram. I'm at dietitian.giana. It is linked down below in the show notes as well. But please come connect with me on Instagram. If you have questions, if you need help, let me know and I'm happy to help.